Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What up, what up, what up, podcast party people, what's happening, how are you feeling, how you living, how you doing, you living large, living small, are you hippity hoppitin', yes, I am, I'm feeling good finally, after my two day hangover is finally gone. On Saturday, it was my friend Crummy Joe's uh, birthday. He had a birthday bash at this tiny little club around the corner called the Elbow Room. And he has a Black Sabbath cover band that he's been doing forever called uh, Backstabbeth. And it was super fun. So he was like, hey, I'm having a big birthday bash. You want to come play guitar and sing a little bit for my Sabbath jam? And I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. And he's been he's been on my birthday bash a bunch of times, and so it was like, fuck yeah, that'll be killer. And uh, so we went rehearsed for like three weeks. I showed up, I showed up three weeks, three one time, three weeks. But you know, got our set down, got our tuning down, got our everything down, and it was good. It was a good jam. And then an Iron Maiden cover band uh, closed the night. This band called Ancient Mariner. Shout out to Ancient Mariner. They were fucking great. Dude, man, they did they did the whole shebang. They did fucking every era of Iron Maiden, and I wasn't uh, I didn't even know some of the shit they were doing. I was like, I don't, I don't even know this song, but it was great, and we fucking raged with Crummy Joe. Oh my god, fucking raged hard. Went we went hard, and it was like. My son had a soccer game, was fucking freezing and pouring rain all fucking day, and we're just out in that fucking thing for an hour and a half, and I finally got there and came to my jam room and took a little nap for a second because I knew it was going to be a late night. I knew it was going to be a fucking, it was going to go till the bitter end, and it did. It was fun. So we uh, got here, and then I didn't even start drinking. Like By the time I got there and like sound checked and like everything, I didn't even start drinking until like 8.30 right before we went on. And uh, it was a blast. I got to say, though, I was like, I I don't know what the... I brain farted so hard on all the Sabbath lyrics. I just fucking... I was like, fuck. So it was me and Tony. Tony Martin, who... Uh, is that the name of that Black Sabbath singer? Tony the Cat Martin. It is. Tony the Cat Martin. That's hilarious. Yeah, his name's Tony. Our friend is named Tony Martin. I just put that together. I was calling him Tony Wyoming all night. Tony Wyoming. And... uh he sang some of the set, and I sang. And I had to keep on passing it after. I'm like, dude, I forgot the verse. Just take it over. And he knew all the shit. Thank fucking, thank fuck for that. It was super fun though. Had a blast. I uh, I rushed here to do. Uh, I've got Brent from Shine Down on next week. I love Shine Down. One of my favorite fucking rock bands. And I got him on. In fact, I got here to do the, the podcast and then I was going to do this intro after but I just realized I got here an hour early 
rushed here. I was making a chili verde all morning. Chili verde, for those who don't know, is uh, it's like a pork, a Mexican pork dish. It's pork and green sauce, basically. And the green sauce is made from tomatillos, which are kind of like, uh, kind of like really tangy tomatoes. They're good. It's kind of got like a spice to them, almost like vinegary in a way. And uh, oh, it's so fucking good. I haven't made it in forever. And I bought all this shit Sunday, and I was going to do it, and then it just got too late and had too much other bullshit to do. And uh, so I made it all this morning, all before my podcast, and I'm rushing here thinking I got to fucking get all my shit. And then I get here, and I got an hour to fucking kill. I'm like, fuck, I'll just do the intro now because I got to go back and still make the whole shebang. And, you know, I did it from scratch, bro. Got the fucking, got the tomatillos, pulled the husks off of them, cut them, you, you fucking char them in the oven, you know, you blacken them a little bit, and then you stick them in the, the what's that thing called, the Cuisinart little mixing thing. You char up some poblano peppers and some jalapeno peppers. Then you char up some garlic, some put some fresh cilantro in there, a lot of salt and pepper. Oh, and then you salt and pepper all the about seven, almost six point sixty six pounds of meat. It was three ounces, point three ounces. Off. It was six point six three. I was like, damn it! I was like, put just a little nug on there, and it was like a metalhead butcher too, over at at over at Whole Foods. He was like long haired dude, and he saw I was wearing a Slayer shirt. He's like, "That shirt's badass, bro." <laughs> I was like, "Fuck yeah!" He's the metal butcher dude. I got a metal beer dude there, and I got a metal butcher dude there at, at my Whole Foods. And uh, so he gave it. We were just joking about how you know if it was just the tiniest point six three point six six, it would have been six 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 for the fucking meat. Anyway, it's a lot of meat. I make a big, I like a, a really large uh, pot of it. So I was cooking that all morning. You salt and pepper that shit up. Then you brown it on a high temperature. And then you fucking put it in the, you pressure cook it. And I got a pressure cooker. It's called a, it's not the Instapot. It's the one above that. I can't remember. We tried the Instapot. We didn't like the Instapot. It kept on leaking. And uh, let's see what else we did. So I did that. And then you drain it because it adds a lot of fat. And then we put in the sauce and then you let that sauce cook. And then we, you do the pressure cooker for 20 minutes, drain all the fat, and then you put it in the sauce. And I simmer that for two hours. And then I just let it sit on warm for the next, whatever, four hours. It's going to be butter. It's going to be fucking butter. So good. Some onions, more garlic. And then I'm going to make the kids nachos where I take fresh cheese, take the fucking, you know, pile it on a plate, and then I brown it under the broiler, add some refried beans, some fresh guacamole that I made. I don't do that shit. I can't eat that. That's too fattening for my fucking old ass. That's, I can't eat that shit anymore. Nachos? Get the fuck out of here. I can take like a bite, but that's it. It'd fucking kill me. I'll be fucking, my butt will be leaking. My butt will be leaking for Two days, just grease. You know, when I had my gallbladder removed, that helps process fat, right? It's whatever that is. I thought it felt like I was eating healthy. Apparently, I wasn't. Anyway, let me tell you, once you ain't got no gallbladder, like, fucking fat, just there's nothing to even stop fat. It just goes in your, and then, like, six hours later, it's just leaking out of your butt. It's gross. It's fucking gross. So gross. Constantly having to wipe my butt. So I just basically try and eat as little fat as possible. 
So nachos is definitely not in the plan, although I'll probably have a bowl with some fresh spinach. I'll make some Mexican rice. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll make some cilantro lime rice. That's what I'll make. I'll make some of that. That'd be good. And, uh, yeah, have some of that. That'll be dinner tonight. And then that'll be my meal prep, the rice and the uh, pork will then live as meal prep for Ginevra and I for the next, oh, I don't know, four days probably. It's probably four days worth of food. And, you know, I, I think I've, I've talked about this before, but I eat six times a day, uh, especially if I work out. I probably, I didn't work out today, so I probably only eat five times a day, but they're small portions. It's like half a cup of meat, you know, half a cup of rice, a little bit of vegetables in there. But, uh, yeah, I do that. It keeps me on point. It keeps me on point, man. And now I'm so used to doing that, that I just do that. I eat 30, 30, 10. So I eat 30 grams of fat, 30, sorry. 30 grams of protein, 30 grams of carbs, 10 grams of fat, six times a day or five times a day if I don't work out. And uh, somehow managed to work, man. Normally, I'd be fat as a house. Being off the road for two years, pandemic, bro, I would normally, under any other circumstance, be fat as a fucking house right now. But this this way of eating got to give coach ted a shout out man coach ted fucking got me straight he got me straight yeah i was just reading about this fucking don't say gay bill there's a bill there's all these bills now trying to pass in america all these fucking shithole fucking governors trying to fucking pass all these asshole bills don't say gay. No, you can't say that. And you can then, and, and if you're a parent and you get offended by, uh, if you're a white Christian parent who gets offended by uh, something that they're teaching your kid, then you can sue them. You can sue the teacher. <laughs> you know, like if the teacher is gay and it's like, you know, hey, it's family time. We're going to show all of our families. And he's got a picture of him and his fucking you know, husband or whatever it is, wife, you know, if it's a woman, the, t- the people, the, the, the students, parents can sue. I'm like, you know what we need to do? Here's what we need to do. Every time some asshole fucking governor comes up with some jackass law, we need to counter it with the law that says we can sue this fuck. This fuck then gets sued. you pass a bunch of dumb fucking homophobic fucking rules. We get to sue you. You don't get a pass. You don't get, you know, like all, all these fucking Democratic, fu- pussy fucking Democrats. Jesus Christ. Just letting fucking Republicans walk all over them every fucking day. Fucking Democrats getting recalled left and right. Motherfucker, recall these Republican fuck Fuck these motherfuckers. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Fuck you, bitch. Fucking you're getting recalled. Oh, you don't like it? Okay, we're suing you now because you are just a fucking dummy. Yeah. Why do these lawmakers not have consequences? Just because you work in, you're a fucking politician, you're a congressman or a congresswoman, consequences, motherfucker. You get sued. You act like a fucking jackass. Everybody in America can sue you. That's the law I want to put into effect. Motherfucker, 
some fucking dumb white Christian with a fucking stick up their ass gets to fucking sue a teacher because she mentioned the word gay? No. Then we get to sue the governor for signing this fucking bill. All of us. Everybody who wants to sue him. Let's put that law into play. That's the shit I want to see. Fuck all these assholes. Fuck Putin. Fuck this war. This fucking bullshit ass war. Fucking Russians are getting their ass kicked and I fucking love it. Fucking get. Fuck Putin. Piece of shit. I hope that. I fucking hope he gets overthrown. Motherfucker, I hope he gets overthrown. Know what's going to happen. People are going to fucking revolt. Just as bad. Saying all kinds of shit. Oh, I'm going to denazify Ukraine. What? The fucking president's Jewish. The fuck are you talking about? That's why he invaded. I'm going to denazify it. that motherfucker I'm doing a blackening playthrough this Friday and I swear to god the fuck I wrote those fucking lyrics 15 years ago they're 16 years ago really still as relevant today fucking asshole tyrants all over the world trying to fucking shove their bullshit down our throat fuck them motherfuckers You know, all these fucking, all these rich assholes getting off. All these rich assholes committing fucking crime after crime after crime after crime after crime. And just fucking getting away with it. Because they can throw all their fucking money at lawyers. Fucking poor people all over the world. Fucking committing the minorest bullshit offenses. Going away for fucking 12 months. Fucking, we got motherfuckers sitting in jail still to this day because of weed. Fucking weed. These fucking asshole rich fucks. Rich Congress fucks and rich billionaire fucks getting away with so much bullshit. Pisses me off, man. Well, I tell you what, this guy's pissed off too. My next guest, Mr. Jim Florentine, comedian, former host of That Metal Show on VH1. You listen to his podcast, he's ca- it's called Everybody's Awful Except You. <laughs> the Everybody's Awful Podcast. or everything Is it everything or everybody? Let me go back to Spotify here. Yeah, every... Hold on, I gotta put my glasses on. I can't even fucking see what that says. Oh, Everybody is Awful podcast. That's what it is. Everybody is Awful. But Jim Florentine, he's a funny motherfucker. You gotta listen You gotta listen to his podcast. It's fucking funny, and he's pissed. He just gets on there and rants. He just basically did a funnier version of what I did, because he's actually funny, and I'm not a comedian. But, uh, yeah, he's fucking good. And he's all pissed. And it fucking makes me happy to hear a man all fucking pissed off. Yeah, he's got uh, 
he does this shit. He's, his latest one was called Awful Vanity Plates. We talked about this. This is pretty funny. Yes. Just live your life. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> fucking back one of those, uh, New I don't York. you guys saw. He's from New York. They're on my uh, YouTube page where I played the disgruntled waiter. And we did these sketches where I come up and I'm just, you know, my, my friend Chad Zumach and Don Jameson play characters in there and they're trying to order like dessert and I'm making fun of them. Well, Chad was telling me one of them has got 5 million views on TikTok. He's like, dude, the one where we're ordering craft beers is up to 5 million views on TikTok. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't even care. I haven't looked at it. I haven't go, I got to go look at TikTok and see what's going on. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Great that it's got 5 million views. I did that shit fucking seven years ago. Somebody cut it up into like a one-minute clip, put it on Chad's TikTok page. And it's got five. I don't care. I didn't go, oh, my God, that's amazing. Everyone's going to recognize. I'm going to walk around to go, okay, yeah, I just got engaged. I want to get a license plate engaged. <laughs> Hopefully you left your fucking, you gave Yeah, that's a funny one we talked about. credit card. Just got engaged. They just got engaged. All right. Here's, a, here's another. He's another one. This is one of his DMV. records. He's got it. This song's called Choking and Burping or Chewing and Burping. But I'm, I'm, Hello? Terrorizing telemarketers. In the mail. Okay. Uh huh. And there's no name on it. What's your name? No name. Sorry, Mr. Millington. No name. <laughs> How can I be no name? No, just your phone number. Ma'am. This one's called Grandpa Takes a Bath. Hello? Yes. Hi. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just a militant to give my grandfather a bath. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice of you. Okay, I'm sorry. Have a good time? No, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I just want to give him the bath all the time, but he's just, he doesn't like when I touch him in certain spots. Oh, okay. And uh, your first name is J-E-S-S-E? Yeah. Price, P-R-I-C-E. Jesus yeah. Christ, his well, name's Jesus Christ. I'll get behind your neck, relax. Don't, I'm sorry, miss. Yes, and would you prefer that I call in about half an hour? No, no, I'd rather just get this done. No, I'd just rather get this done now. It's okay. What are you standing up in the tub for? What are you doing? You can't go to the bathroom in the tub. What are you doing? No, it's fine. It's fine, miss. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the very, very funny, the mighty... Jim Florentine. Hey guys, quick break from the podcast here to shout out some of our sponsors. Hey there, responsible adults over the age of 21 living in states where Delta 8 is legal. Want to get high? Really high? I mean like really super duper legally high? Well then, now is the time to go to YoDelta.com where you can stock up on high-quality lab-tested Delta 8. So if you are 21 and living in the majority of states where this is legal, go to YoDelta.com and stock up on Delta 8. What is Delta 8, Rob Flynn? It's found in hemp and can be legally shipped to various states and get you high as fuck, motherfucker. At YoDelta.com, you can find a mix of gummies and vapes for all your getting stoned needs. I can tell you that Delta 8 works and that these products should be taken responsibly. So once more, that's YoDelta.com, the official Delta 8 sponsor of the Gas Digital Network. And if you use promo code GAS, you're going to get 25% off. Once more, that's promo code GAS for 25% off. 
Yo, Delta, home of the Delta 8 that will get you super high. All right, back to the show. Jim Florentine, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's been a while. I want to say it's been like 10 years. <laughs> Maybe not that long. At last I saw you, I remember talking to you at your, you were staying at the Tropicana or hotel or something, right? I was staying at a really shitty mo- uh, motel right on uh, Sunset. Yes. Where yes. a lot of hookers hang out. I didn't know. I just got a rate for like 80 bucks. I'm like, can you meet me at the pool here? You're like, okay, I guess. I stay, you know, it's funny. I stayed at that same hotel and I walked in. I was like, oh my God, like this is that. The fucking- Sahara. That's it. The Sahara. That's what it was. Yes. Yes. Me and my wife spent the night there one night after some raging L.A. night. We were like, fuck. <laughs> it was a good thing we were super hammered because I don't think we would have slept with the fighting prostitute and pimp right next to us without it. Yeah, it just reminded me of like an old 50s hotel, and I wanted to stay there. I like that cool kind of, it mm-hmm. almost looked like where the Rat Pack used to stay back in the day. But then when I got there, now, now I know why it was 80 bucks a night on the Sunset Strip. Right. Yeah. It was good. We had a good podcast, though. I remember being on your podcast. Yeah, and you did that, that metal show a couple times. You, that might have been the very first podcast that I ever did. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but I, that would be probably like 2012, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And then you were on that metal show. I think you were on with Lars, weren't you? I was, yeah. yeah. Lars and they, somebody else, maybe. But uh, that was a good episode. I forget who it was, but. Uh, was it somebody else? I think Port- maybe Portnoy was the guest or something. Or okay, the- maybe he was playing drums or some. Yeah, like yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was good. It was that's tough competition going on a show with Lars Ulrich. Let me tell you, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's so funny and he's so charismatic and he can just talk for fucking ever. And then like, and here's Rob Flynn. <laughs> like after I was like, I gotta follow Lars Ulrich. <laughs> well, you must. You guys must know each other from a while back. We both being out of San Francisco, right? You know what? We didn't, uh, even though we're both from the Bay Area, I had never even met him until uh, we played, Machine Head played uh, Donington with him in 95. Wow. Yeah. We had just never crossed paths. I had met James through uh, a mutual, uh, our manager, I dated my manager's daughter, and so we went out to like football games, and James was friend with my manager's son. And so they would go and, you know, we'd go to 49er games and so that's kind of how i got to know him a little bit right okay yeah but never lars and so and then we did all that touring we did all the the during the blackening and they were on death magnetic we did a bunch of touring so that's when i got to know him really good and then so by the time i got into the show with you guys that metal show it was like a good hang yeah no i i, I saw that tour somewhere you guys opened it for metallic on that tour did you go to the the new york shows or the maybe the Long Island? Island? Did you guys play in the maybe yes. Nassau Coliseum? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, right on. cool. Great, man. Yeah, how have you been doing since all of that? That's kind of gone away for a while now, right? Yeah, you know, we've been off the air for like six years. People yeah. still are like, when are you going to bring it back? I'm like, you know, it's They're like it's not. <laughs> do you, yeah, just, do you, you give know. them hope? Do you give them hope? Like it's it might come back. Well, yeah, I give them hope. I say, ask Eddie Trunk. Because Eddie gets bombarded all the time. I go, talk to Eddie, because he might know. And then they bombard him. And he's like, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> That's always a running gag, you know, right. with it. But, you know, people don't understand. Like, it's a corporation we were for Viacom, basically. MTV, Comedy Central, VH1. When they come in and they do cuts, and they, they basically just get rid of you. They fire you. You can't just go back to that job, even though, you know, people don't realize how TV works. We can't just show up there on Monday after they got rid of us. Right. 
you know, it's just yeah. like a corporate job. They make cuts, you're out, that's it. You know, you move on. So totally. We're on for eight years. Who the hell would have thought it that's was a fuck it? Yeah, that's a long time, dude. Yeah, like, we, it's so much. Lo- you guys lasted way past your expiration date. Way past, and we <laughs> 140 episodes. Like, where do you go from here? It's like, no, right. no metal show should last eight fucking years on a, you know VH1. Like, that's insane. Like, it's a fucking amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, especially when we're you know you run out of guests, it's like okay, we'll have him back. But he was on last season. You know, there's only so many metal guys out there, right? We can have on, and they also got to be promote. Usually, they got to be promoting something at the same time. So yeah, they don't have a new album. They don't want to do it. Maybe it's coming out in a few months. They'll do it then. But we're not filming, so it was all that shit was taken into consideration. But yeah, it was a blast, though. Yeah, those must have been good times, though. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, I grew up a metalhead, so just talking to all these guys, I'm like, I don't even have to research anything. I've been wanting to ask these questions for forever. Right. You know, when, so it was awesome. When you're uh, when you're a famous, uh, were you a bachelor when you were on the that metal show? Not really, no. I no, mean, but there's no, there's hardly any women that watch that show. It was all dudes. Was it? Yeah, I do my comedy shows. There's five guys in Iron Maiden shirts sitting right in the front. I know what that. I know. I know where they're coming from. Right, right. You know, but no, I wasn't. Unfortunately, I, I wish I would show the rerun, so maybe I can get some residual. Stuff, but... <laughs> you were, I, you had a girlfriend, or you were married, or what were you? Yeah, I had a girlfriend, and I am married. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, married and baby married at the same time so right when it ended was when my marriage ended i'm like damn oh no <laughs> you're all right i know i'm like I in my chips now. <laughs> no because i remember we used to do shows out in la we do them in new york and la and then afterwards everyone would go to uh um where my the rainbow room just rainbow. to go drink and go celebrate i'd go back to my room i'd go eat and i'm like i gotta get out of here I'm yeah. I'd run back to my hotel. I'm like, I, I can't. I want to say I, I want to say I did your podcast after that metal show. Yeah, we did definitely. Yeah, was it was right after the, the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I was married too, so I went right to I went to the, <laughs> fucking, the pool of your Sahara hotel. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't. I don't want the temptation. I so I just you know. Right. But whatever. I mean, what are you gonna do? Right on. Yeah. It made me focus. I would have been out all night, showing up two hours sleep. So right. maybe it was better. Yeah. What, so you did them in New York and L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. I did the L.A. one, I guess. Yeah, you did the L.A., yeah. Which is a lot easier. We always told them, let's just do it in L.A. All the guys live right down the street. They're all in the area. We don't have to worry about airfare or any of that shit because they were always worried about, you know, cost for the show and stuff like that because they shot it so cheap. Yeah. But, did, uh, uh, did you... Um, what are some of your favorite guests? Like, who was your favorite guest? And and why was it like a favorite guest? Every season was somebody different. You know, first we had Dio on before he passed away. Oh, which wow. Which is great. We had uh, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson the first season on that metal show, you know, from Rush. And then you had Steve Harris from Maiden come on. Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, and then you had Brian Johnson from Mason. We had Brian Johnson. All on Angus. the first season? That, I think that was the first season, too. Brian and Angus. Jesus. Even Steve Harris was later. But then we had, you know, we had Iomi on. We had Bill Ward, we had Deezer, you know, we had Manson on. So every every year, it was like, oh, I can't believe this guy. So, and then we had guys, you know, regular rock guys like Paul Rogers from Bad Company, who's a legend. Right, totally. You know, we had the girls from Heart on, the sisters from Heart, which mm-hmm. is cool. So um, I don't know if there was one that stuck out, but Lemmy was on like four or five times, and he was always great. He wasn't a great interviewer, Lemmy, because he was, he gives you like a lot of one-word answers. And, you know, we shoot in the afternoon. He needs to... 
he needs some liquor in him before he starts cheering up those cranky British guys. They're all cranky, those fucking British guys. They need right. some booze in them or something. They don't wake up till like seven at night. <laughs> right. I don't know what it is about him, but a great guy, Lemmy, without a doubt. But some, sometimes it was tough to pull stuff from him. He's you like, know, it's 4 30 in the afternoon. It's way too early. <laughs> way too early. Like if we did two shows, we made sure we put Lemmy on the second show we we're going to tape. Give right. him a little extra time to wake up and get his, you know, his thoughts together and stuff. Was there ever a, a bad guest? Um, you know, some of the guys just wouldn't talk that much. You know, you need some guy when you ask the questions, not to give one word answers. Yeah. So right. I know there'll be some that were like, shit, that's going to get tough to pull stuff out of them. But then you got other guys that won't stop talking and you got to go to commercial breaks and all that shit. You know, so, you know, you see the clock 50 seconds, you want to get a question in, but, the, you know, you got to fit it all because they would just shoot the show like in an hour. Like basically they didn't want to edit anything. Right, so they would right. just shoot the show where they didn't really have to do too much editing and stuff. So, look, Trunk knew all those guys for years, so he had an in with them. So yeah. They were all cool. They were all nice. Everybody came on, was happy to be on there and stuff. So we didn't have any of that, those problems. Which was yeah, crazy. I was going to say, like, Trunk, uh, Trump probably had a, did I say Trump? <laughs> Trunk. Trunk had a relationship with Dio, like Ronnie James Dio, pretty good, right? Like they were, Yeah. Kind of homies. Yeah, all the guests, most of the guests that came on, he knew from his radio show, from doing radio for like 30 years. So it was easy for them to come on and, and be guests and not be like, who, what, what kind of show are we walking into and all that stuff. So pretty much mean- everybody we wanted did the show. Maybe the Zeppelin guys didn't do it. Barbara Plant or Jimmy. We almost had Jimmy Page, but oh, when shit. they hear metal, then they go, I don't want to be associated with metal and all that. Who knows that shit, but. Um. Does that make it easier for you to like interject into the interview when, when, you know, Eddie's like already got a rapport and, or do you just let Eddie do the talking? I let Eddie, I pick my spots. I give okay. a quick, I don't do a minute setup to my question. You know, I just, you know, uh, I'd be like, Hey Rob, so get, you know, your second favorite, I probably the blackening that that was when it came out. I think is when you did it maybe, or it might've been the locust. It was locust. Yeah. Okay, Locust, yeah, I go, all right, besides Locust, which I know you're going to say is your favorite album because it just came out, what's your second favorite machine gun? <laughs> I would just shoot that in there right like that, and you'd be like, all right, now. You know, I knew Eddie would take the bulk of it, which is fine. So yeah, right on. I just pick my spots like a little sniper. Was it like was it like a team where you guys kind of, you all sit down to write the questions and talk about it, or is it something you had like a production team that did all that, or? We had nothing. It was just us. We basically produced a show. It was just like, I would say to Eddie, hey, Eddie, are you going to ask Rob about the new record? Do you want me to bring it up? Or he goes, no, I want to talk about Rob about San Francisco or the thrash. Okay, good. I'll bring up, I'll talk to Rob about the new record. Dom, what are you going to do? All right, well, I want to ask Rob about the, all right, perfect. And that's how we just okay. do it. And right just wing it. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It probably keeps it like more free flowing and like. Absolutely. Yeah, and they, the, the VH1 had no idea what metal was. They didn't know any of the bands, so they didn't give us any direction because they had no clue. You know, they had no, so we just they just left it up to us, which was cool. Yeah, and that but they way- wanted us to be silly, especially me and Jameson, because we were comics. They wanted to be like a Rock of Ages, where we or like you know Steel Panther, which I like those guys, but they wanted us to come out like spandex and wigs and do goofy. Oh. Like no, no, <laughs> wow, absolutely not, not doing that. Huh, that's funny. So that was I know like, as a metalhead being in the prelim- at home. In the, prelim- in the preliminary to getting the show going, like that was their concept. Like Eddie Trunk would be the straight guy and you guys would be like comedy relief. Yeah. Right. They they liked that we busted Eddie's balls. They loved that. 
Okay. Uh, like Buster's balls. And we do that all the time anyway as friends. But then they wanted us to be silly. And we just said, listen, I know as metalheads sitting at home on a Saturday night watching this show, they don't want us being silly and taking away time from talking to you or Lars. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we get it. You guys are comedians. Can we just hear what these guys have to say? Because so I just knew I go, then no one's going to like it at home. I would be mad. I'm like, all right, dude, we get it. You're a fucking comic. Enough. Yeah. I wanted to see you acting silly and doing goofy, you know. Not to mention that, like, you know, you guys being in spandex and, like, funny wigs and shit would just be like, what? Like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, <laughs> Well, they all, you know, the producers were like, this is going to be spi- like Spinal Tap. We want to make it like Spinal Tap. Okay. Slash Steel Panther slash Rock of Ages. Okay, gotcha. We're like, no. And we have to put our foot down. It was a lot of arguments with the heads of VH1. Like, you got to listen to the producer. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not dressing up like an asshole. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm wearing my ACDC shirt. I'm asking metal questions. Right. Yeah. Like we didn't even like dudes wearing spandex back then. <laughs> like, no, exactly. I'm not wear like, that now. Yeah, I'm not doing it now. But like Rock of Ages just came out and it was a Broadway show. Okay. So it was all like goofy shit, you know, so uh, that's so lucky we put our foot down. But it was definitely a battle. Yeah, right. Can you bring your camera down just a little bit? You're kind of yep. almost cutting off your mouth. There right you there. Go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. I'm a professional. <laughs> I, I'm grateful for that. I bought that this it? fake. I bought this fake wall during a lockdown. I went to uh, Home Depot and bought fake brick, like two sheets, and just stuck it up against my living room wall. So that's what it is. It's not even nailed up. Oh yeah, it's just leaning. Twenty-two dollars a sheet. It was it forty-four dollars. It looks good. It yeah, looks, we all like, had to step yeah. up our our Zoom game. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, I got to do this shit. So. Like, I was like, before the pandemic, I didn't even know what the fuck Zoom was. I was like, what the fuck is Zoom? Everybody's like, you got to get on Zoom. I'm like, Zoom? Now it's like, I got to get a light and I got to get lights behind me and shit. I'm like, fuck. Okay. Yeah, I got that fancy light, whatever that I have to put up and all that. Yeah, but whatever. If I don't have to leave the house and do this shit, it's, it works. Right. So. Did you... Um, yeah, I mean your pan your podcast was going for I mean, you were way ahead of the podcast game. Like you were like right there at the cusp of it. You know, when it started. I started in two thousand eleven, so I've been doing it eleven years now. Yeah. It's a long time. I, yeah, I always just wanted like my own radio show. You know, I started doing radio before I did comedy and then I realized I couldn't play the music I wanted to play, so I had this heavy metal show at night on this little station. And they're like, No, no, you gotta start playing like, you know, fucking goofy you know, Phil Collins shit or whatever. I'm like, I'm not playing that. So, and then when the podcasting world came out, I'm like, this is cool. Cause I got have my own show, even though I'm not playing music, but at least just talking. And then I would just go off on these rants about, you know, these assholes on social media, you know? So I'm like, there's plenty of material for that. And that yeah. was, that's how my podcast became about. Yeah. And then you, but do you still have guests on there? Cause I was a guest. I just do it by myself. Usually, yeah. you know, when I had rock stars on, people didn't want to hear it. They'd rather hear me ranting about some guy that you know made up some lie on social media that you know i, I was just they, listening to that on the way in that was so fucking good <laughs> yeah just you know they pay everyone's always paying for somebody's groceries in front of them and then they're bringing other bags out to the car and they drove them home. it's just all everyone's just trying to outdo each other with lies you know so i, I and then i like i had metallica on one time and people bitch it like oh, we want to hear you rant so i was like all right let me just go in that direction okay so I usually just do it by myself and it's easy. I don't have to book guests and right. you know, I can, people send in shit that listen to my podcast and stuff that I could make fun of. And I'm like, it's perfect. They do all the work for me. I just have to, you know, present it basically. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's kind of like, especially if you're a comedian, that's kind of the way it is. It's gone to, you know, like Bill Barr has got his thing and you know, like, uh, or not, uh, 
Bill Burr, not Barr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bill's. Yeah, big. You know, I'm friends with Bill and stuff like that. He does it by himself too. Because I was like, I, I could be in a hotel room on the road. I could do it wherever, and that's what I wanted to do. So it works out perfect. You know, you do I it like, four days a week. I do four a week now. Yeah. Yeah. So your Patreon, one a week goes up on Monday. Is that what the deal is? Yeah, one free on Monday, and then Patreon Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, gotcha. Just build and up the Patreon and see. You know, if you, you know. There's, got, there's a comedian out there, Tim Dillon, that's making $200,000 a month on his Patreon. Holy shit. $200,000. I mean, I see other guys yeah. making like a hundred grand, like a year, you know, because they'll say how much money they make and how many Patreons they have. And I'm like, they're making $100,000 for this podcast? Yeah. So I just said, all right, I'm going full on on Patreon. Yeah. How's it going? You know, it's I, going good. Everybody keeps telling me I should jump on patreon for my podcast and i'm like i i don't know if you have the time you got to really you know yeah. how many you do you do one a week i just do one do, a week yeah yeah i mean that you then you gotta get off i mean you could do a second one and i don't mm -hmm. know you know it, but it, it takes time to build it you really gotta just put the work in and there's slowly it builds and word of mouth and people are like all right i want to hear more of this stuff so I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. It's working out pretty well so far. I'm only doing it for a few weeks. So, yeah, and two it's easy thousand a month is a lot of money. That's two million dollars a year. At I least. know, I know. <laughs> and all, see, all these comics. There's a million comics out there that are selling out theaters that you never even heard of just from their Patreon and their podcast, which is great. Right. Or like almost underground, which is great. Like you don't even want to be that famous anymore because yeah. someone's going to try to take you down. Mm -hmm. They're going to dig into your past, find something. So it's almost like. You want to just fly under the radar, make a lot of money and play to your audience. And that's it. I always, that was my, always my theory from day one with comedy. It's just like a band start playing in the frigging clubs and sell merchandise, get your name out there, get a mailing list and build it that way. And that becomes super mainstream. Yeah. You know what I, maybe, and maybe this is just my outside view. I'm not sure, but it seems like comedy in general is bigger than it's been in a really long time. Like there's a lot of really, you know, like I follow like Burt Kreischer and like Burt Kreischer's like out there, like fucking playing huge. Play I mean, bigger than a lot of fucking bands are even playing, you know, and fucking just doing like, you know, shirtless comedy and it's fucking wild. Like, you know, a lot of, I mean, it just seems like comedy. There's a, there's a massive demand for people, you know, like maybe it's cause of the times or maybe it's cause, you know, we, we all need a break and maybe comedians offer a break that isn't being offered by music, but it just seems like comedy in particular is really huge. Do am I? Yeah. No, there's, there's just like five or six guys that people, you know, comics that could sell out arenas now, yeah. which is unheard of. You know, right. Steve Martin did it back in the day, then Dice and then Dane Cook, but nobody. Did. And now over the last like five, seven years, this guy's doing, you know, Bert's doing arenas now, some arenas. Yeah. Doing 20,000 people, Joe Rogan and stuff Fucking like that. Insane, yeah. It's crazy, but it all comes from the podcast world. All these guys went on Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan's got, you know, 11 million people or something listening each podcast and he built up all these comedian friends. It was almost like going on the Howard Stern show back in the day. Right. I went on there when he had 20 million people listening on regular radio and it blew me up, you know, and then Rogan's like the Howard Stern of today. So he brings all these comics on Joey Diaz, Burt Kreischer, Tom right. Segura all these guys and they're all blow up from Rogan. They give, gives them exposure. 
Right. And they're all doing well. It's it's great, man. It's a great time for comedy. It really is. Yeah. I got to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to say something controversial, but I don't find Joe Rogan funny. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm an, I'm a, I'm like an island in the middle of the Pacific. I'm like a sandbar in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Like, I'm the only person who doesn't find Joe Rogan funny. I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't, it doesn't make me laugh. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I mean. Uh, do you, you talk about his stand-up or his interviews? Yeah, stand-up. His stand-up. Yeah, not his interviews. Stand-up. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, you know, to each its own. Everybody's different. Everybody likes a different style of comedy, you know? So, um, I don't know, you know, people can say, yeah, I, I you know, uh, he does great interviews. He gets interesting oh, yeah, guests sure. on. For he sure. pushes buttons, which I like, mm-hmm. you know? And um, But, yeah, as far as the stand-up, I don't know. I mean, he, he does well. He's got a huge market. And maybe it's, it's huge. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, specials so. and yeah, arenas and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and he's I mean, a good I, dude. You know what I mean? He's just like, hey, I just want to, you know, he ca- he's catching a lot of shit. I think it's died down now. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll ramp back up again if if he says the wrong thing, which you know you would think in this in this country allowed to have a different opinion on something, but God forbid, you know. Look, I I like Joe Rogan. He likes to hunt. I don't mm-hmm. own a gun. I don't want to kill an animal. Even though I eat meat and I'm a hypocrite, but I, I could not kill an animal. I'd yeah. feel bad. I'd fucking cry. But he's not going to make me go shoot a fucking, go shoot a deer and go shoot an elk and then cook it on the grill and gut it. Nah. I wouldn't do that in a million years. So he's not going to change my mind. So, yeah, you know, people that go, he listens to whatever he says. You don't. You just make up your mind if you're going to, you know, whatever he does. I don't smoke weed all the time either. He does. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just not my thing. So yeah, I, would, I wouldn't look to, you know have any uh comedian like dictate how you live your life <laughs> or even bands or, 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 a, or a musician for that matter yeah you know i've always i was always a huge rage against machine fan and i was also a big ted nugent fan they're the complete opposite on the spectrum of politics and ted and actually and morello actually friends they right. talk on the phone. yeah and i got no problem with either i go to rage shows all the time whatever they're pushing i'm like okay whatever he's talking up there zach you know and then i'd, I'd see ted I'm, i don't care like that stuff never mattered to me no right. one's going to tell me how to vote or what I got to do or what I don't have to do. I'll make up my own mind. Right, right. Let's take a break and give a shout out to our sponsors. Hey there, auto mechanics and super cool do-it-yourself guys who work on their own cars. I want to tell you about rockauto.com, the online store with every auto part at the best prices. This is your one-stop shop for everything auto parts. rockauto.com has been in business for 20 years and they make it easy to find the parts you need at the best possible prices. No more talking to counter guys who need to order parts, aren't really sure what you're looking for, never quite have what you need, and then, after all the hassle, we'll still charge you storefront markups. At rockauto.com, you can easily find everything you need, and whether you're a mechanic, an auto shop, or working on your own car, everyone has access to the same incredible pricing at rockauto.com. So, if you're a car guy right now, go to rockauto.com, check out all the parts available for your car. You're going to have so much fun looking at car parts. And when you order, make sure to tell rockauto.com that you heard about them on No Fucking Regrets podcast. Once again, rockauto.com, no promo code needed as their pricing is already that good. Let's get back to it. Totally. Dude, I used to love your, your uh, what was those, those little... Um... It, what, I don't even know what your, your blogs they used to put out. Oh, the general journals, yeah. Oh, yeah, you used to get in a lot of trouble. For, oh <laughs> you would God. go after everyone. <laughs> oh my God. I got, I got in too much. I had to stop. I know. I just got in too much trouble. I was just like, all right. Like, it, like people start treating it like it's a fucking press release. I'm like, this is just a... Uh, 
this is just my brain dump for the week. Like, don't like this is you know. I it was. I mean, I love reading. I'm like, holy shit! You know what I mean? Just like she was. I know you. We got so much flack. Those things would catch on as soon as you put them out. Yeah, and I just got. I you know. I gotta be. I gotta be inspired too. You know, like I just whatever. Like I, I do them from time to time still, but I don't. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't make them. I don't make them as much as I used to. It was fact, funny. Doing, though, I don't have. Right? I don't have the time. Like I got. You know. I'm now. I'm doing the podcast. I'm fucking. I do this every week. And I find this a little more enjoyable. You know, I can still kind of rant. Right. You know what's great about the podcast is that nobody in the fucking, like, no news outlet has the patience <laughs> to fucking sit through my fucking bullshit. Like, they can read my fucking general journal for, like, fucking whatever, 10 minutes a day. But they're not going to sit through a fucking hour of me fucking going on some rant 40 minutes into my podcast. So, you know, I get away with more shit, basically, because of that. No, and then even when Patreon is a whole other level, because now you're behind a paywall. So right. And they have to pay for it to see if you're, oh, my God, can you believe what he said? Right. Which is a whole other level, which is great. So, you know, you yeah. say whatever the hell you want on That Patreon. is good. Yeah, that is good. That's really good. Yeah. You never even think about that. So you can go even crazier on Patreon. Yeah. Is that what you do? So your free one is like a little more toned down, but then. No, then no, nothing's toned right. down. Okay. I've right. never toned it down. I just like, this is what I do. If you don't like it, you don't fucking like it. What am I going to do? Right. No, it's pretty, pretty much the same, but I could be a little more, I could tell more personal stories or use names, which I usually don't on the free one. Right. You know, but, uh, no, it's so, but you're, you're in general. They were great, man. It was always, as soon as you put it out, it would hit the news. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know what too, like I found that, um, and you know, just, you know, maybe this is just me getting older or just like whatever, but like, I, I felt like I started getting known more for my general journals than like my music, you know, like I started getting, you know, like I'd always get the press would like somebody would do something in fucking the metal community, and then the, like a bunch of the press people like, oh, so and so did this. You won't care to comment, and like, I, no, like I'm not like I'm not the guy who comments on people's actions. And like, what the fuck? Like I'm, you know, like I started feeling like that was happening, and I was like, look, man, like I I I, I make fucking thrash metal. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's that's all I do. That's all I want to do. That's all. That's all I want to be known for is my songs and my fucking guitar playing and my fucking music. Like that's it. Like that's all I want to be known for. I don't want to be known as the wild podcaster guy or the crazy general journal or whatever it is. And like, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I over, you know, overthink it, and I can, I do tend to overthink things. So I could, I could see myself overthinking it, but I just like stepped away and I was like, you know, I'm just going to let music fucking talk here and just kind of be what it is. And, you know, like I'll, that's it. No, I see that. Cause it, you know, there was guys, the press would always pick up on was you with your blogs. And it was like Portnoy, you know, it would, you know, whatever he did, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, right. Sebastian Bach, right. Snyder. There's always like four, they, they'd pick up everything. They'd yeah. search it out and it'd be a, some crazy headline. Rob yeah. Flynn hates Metallica. Right. Metallica sucks. And it was like, what is this? It's like, no, I did not. Right. I know. I exactly. But that, they put that headline up. No, so I know. It was yeah. like five. And that when you were in that group. Yeah. You know, where they would always pick up anything that you said and make it into a headline. I remember yeah. that. It was wild. It was a wild. And I just, it started to fucking annoy me after a while. That I got to say the Metallica one kind of pissed me off. Cause I was just like, listen, 
<laughs> listen, you, <laughs> fucking, you know, because the first because the first time I saw them play Master of Puppets, I didn't love it. You know, right. Rob Ace Metallica. I was like, I didn't love it. What can I? I'm fucking. I didn't love it. Right. It was okay. Uh, I loved Fight Fire with Fire. <laughs> like, you know, they played Disposable Heroes and Master of Puppets, and I was like, mm. you know, like, right, yeah, yeah. It was just where I was, you know, like in my fucking face. I eventually, you know, if you would have, you know, two months later when the record dropped, I fucking worshipped it. Like, that's all yeah. I listened to and, you know, changed my fucking life. But, you know, it's yeah, just what funny. Are you it's do? funny how you know what I always wanted to ask you? Why has Machine had never played like these festivals that go around this, you know, the summer festivals and the rock on the ranges and all that shit? You guys had never on those. We're not. We, uh, we, 10 years ago, we stopped playing festivals. I I made a decision that I just was I I was over it. I'm I've been over I'd been over it for a while and uh and it was a tough call because it's a lot of money, you know, those festivals pay really good. Um but I and you know, we like if we play a festival, we kill it. Like we can fucking destroy a fucking festival. Like fucking a hey, 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 circle pits jumping, like everybody can crazy. But you know, after twenty five years of doing festivals, I just you know, a few things happened. You know, festivals started getting bigger and longer. You know, when I first started playing festivals, festivals might be like ten bands on a single day, one stage. You know, then it became like 30 bands then it became like 60 bands now it's like you know some fest like the hellfest is coming up and it's like 350 bands over nine days i was like fuck like i that started happening uh and and then i started to feel like there was a lot of uh i call them looky loose i mean i'm sure that's not it's not an uncommon word but it's like a looky loo it's just like a random person who doesn't really care about metal too much, but is going to kind of check out the thing and they're there to get laid and get fucking drunk and get high. And like, that's awesome. That's killer. But I don't want to play to some rando dude who maybe listens to metal or maybe doesn't and try and win them over. Like I, I started to feel very disconnected at festivals. Like I didn't feel like there was a big fan base uh, of hours that really wanted to go. And I just didn't like the idea of playing to fucking, you know, a bunch of people just kind of fucking staring at me, waiting for the band after me <laughs> or, or waiting. No, for I, I get you on that. Cause all, as a comic, you go to a casino, you'll get a lot of high rollers and people that aren't even comedy fans. Yeah. And they're sitting I, in the front and they're just like, sucks. this isn't a good crowd. It fucking sucks. You know, and it fucking blew. And I just like, I got fucking over it. I was like, I, you know, as fucking you know shallow or whatever people want to say as this is like to me you know i started in the thrash metal scene like i started seeing i saw metallica that support raven they were not they were even the headliner they were supporting raven in front of 250 people first time i ever see metallica you know it was for a fucking small niche of people that just fucking lived and breathed every fucking word and every riff and every fucking everything and just banged and crazy and to me like there was such a connection, you know, like that was, you know, you always hear the older cats talk about like the, you know, seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, that moment right there, Metallica Exodus opening Metallica supporting Raven headlining. That was my Beatles on Ed Sullivan moment, you right. know, and I just, it fucking changed my life. I was like, me and my friend left there and was like, okay, we're going to start a band. We're going to play faster than everybody and heavier than everybody. And like, 
and you know, I live for that connection and I'm constantly, even when I'm playing, like I want to feel that connection. I want the audience to feel that connection with us. And you know, I just started to fucking lose that, like playing festivals. Like I just didn't feel that anymore. And I fucking hated it. I was like, this is not why I got into this. This is not why I do this. And you know, maybe that'll change in the future, but I had to take a break from it. Like I had to take a fucking, just a break from it. And we started doing the evening with shows and you know, even though we're playing, we're not, we're not playing to 40,000 people. We're only playing to 4,000 people or 400 people. But you know what? Those people are fucking living and breathing and eating and shitting machine head. And it, that fucking connection is so strong that it fucking makes everything else worth it and makes it all go away. And that's why I do this. No, I, I get it. You know, as a comic too, you play, you know, play a small club where they're sitting right on top of you and they're your fans. Yeah. Is it amazing? And they're just absolutely connecting with them instead of playing a big casino and they're just, yeah. and your lights are, you can see the crowd and they're just sitting there bored. You can see them looking at their phone. Like, yeah, I absolutely. I lose it. Cause I'm, I see that it affects me. So I, I see what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Just Cause I know you, you guys would, there'd be a big festival roll through and you guys would be, you know, doing your three hour and evening with machine head and more and then the clubs and small theaters and stuff like that. Just you guys, not even an opening act. You yeah. do like three hours, right? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, yeah. It was awesome. I fucking, yeah. I still love right it. Right on top of you, fucking kids headbanging right in the front, like hanging yeah. on the stage. I love that shit. Yeah, and so, you know, we just went with it. I, I definitely, I could see that, though. Like, I could see how playing a casino would be, you know, it's a lot of looky-loose. You know, it's a, probably a good payday. It's probably a bigger audience overall because, like, you're getting all these random people. But, you know... I mean, maybe, and maybe you got some fans. I'm sure you do have some fans there, you know, that are coming to see you at you the, have that'll be fun. Hell. And, but they put all the high rollers in the front because they oh, get the gotcha. best seats. They lose okay. the most money. They're keeping the, the lights on at the casino, obviously. So they just say, oh yeah, I got some tickets. Yeah, I'll go see what this is about. And they're sitting there, they're bored. They're just taking a break to go lose more money before they go lose more money. Right. You know, and they're miserable because they just lost five grand and now they're taking it out on me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, it ain't my fault. You got a fucking gambler problem. I'm just trying to tell some dick jokes up here. Come on. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to make you forget that you lost all that money. Yeah. You should be thanking me. <laughs> no. no, but I, I see what you're talking about totally with and with all the band. And then you got to do a shorter set. Then you got to put all the hits yeah, in there. I'm fucking, I got 10 minute long songs. Can you imagine me on a half? Right. Like we play fucking three or four songs. It sucks. Like it's right. fucking lame. You know, what about, um, when you do, what's it like uh, when you're a band, you have like strong markets. Like you always know that if you go to New York city or Chicago or whatever, like does, is it like that for in comedy where you have like yeah. fucking solid killing at markets? Definitely. Like uh, Florida is a great market. Cause all the people from the East coast move to Florida. Okay. So you got New Yorkers, New Jersey, Connecticut, Boston, all the people down there. So they love a guy from the East Coast. They miss home. You know, so that's a great market. You got Ohio, any blue collar towns, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Ohio oh, okay. are good for me. But then you get like Seattle, not so much for me. I don't know. Maybe because I'm on the East Coast. LA, I do okay. Not great. San Diego, I do pretty well. So, yeah, you know, okay. hmm. it is weird. Phoenix, I do well, but then, uh, you know, uh, Portland, I don't. So, who, you know, it's all, I don't know, you know, each, I, I, Denver, I don't do well for some reason. I can't sell any tickets in Denver. 
Because you're not, maybe because you don't smoke weed? <laughs> I, I don't. And, you know, it's tough. But I like that because all the comics before me have all weed jokes. So I'm like, good, I don't they're not touching my material. But, yeah, I don't smoke, so I can't relate to them. I don't tell weird stories about a zombie apocalypse that might happen, which never will. Right, right. You know, they want to hear that shit. I was listening to your podcast on the way in just to hear what you're what you were ranting about later. And I loved how you're like, everybody's lying on social media. Oh, my God. God, I fucking loved your take on that. I was just like, it's so fucking true. It, it, I'm constantly being driven crazy by like, and you know, you, you go into the fucking, I call it like the Facebook foot fisher. Like it's always like the one girl, she's just like, t she's got, you know, hair is all done, fucking face is all made up. She's just like, I'm feeling so ugly today. You know, like she takes a picture like, what? Like, you know, oh, honey, why you fit? You're so pretty. What are you talking about? Like, you like, of you course, you're, you're amazing. Absolutely. I know it's all everyone's just trying to compete with each other. It's sad because they see somebody getting attention with whatever post they put up and they go, I feel like I have to now, too, because look at all the attention they got. So let me make up some fake story or let me get try to gain some sympathy and figure right. something out. You know, they always, or they brag a little humble brag, you know, um, you know, I saw the worst car accident today on the way to the gym. So they want to let you know, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm working out. I was actually going to the gym, but there was a car accident on my way, but I want to let you know that I work out and I look amazing. So next time you see me, tell me, wow, what did you do? You, you must be working on a lot. What kind of program are you on? The humble brag. Yeah, right. we know. We, yeah. They have to throw that in. You didn't have to put that in there that you were going to the gym. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no. starting my journey. I'm going to go to, you know, I'm, I'm going to start going to the gym three days. That's not a journey. Okay. The gym's fucking a mile down the road. You're just going there to lift some five pound pink weights. It's not really a journey. Right. What was the other one you had? Oh, you were going off about the vanity plates for a minute there. Oh yeah. Cause <laughs> all the different all people personalized <laughs> plates. It's just like, you know, people, you know, especially with a sports car, you know, the people, the people with Tesla's love to let everyone know that it doesn't take any gas. So to have a personalized plate, no gas. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Thanks. We, I wasn't sure. Let me go Google that. I didn't know you, you didn't have to take gas. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Most people can't afford a hundred thousand dollar car. Sorry about that, that you can. Right. Right. I'll, just have to, you know, I'll be buying the $25,000 car and spending 75 on fucking gas over the next, you know, 50. Yeah, I know. I know. So yeah, just absurd stuff like that. And then, you know, there's a lot of moms that, or just parents out there that, make up some fake story about their four-year-old. My four-year-old just wrote, you know, read War and Peace in one night. Oh, really? <laughs> like, it's that crazy. You know, and they're just doing that because they want to say, hey, well, because I'm the parent. That's why my kid can read War and Peace in one night, a four-year-old. Right. right. That came out of me, and that's how, because I'm smart. Right. <laughs> it's great. It's insane. Yeah. It's sad it's what it really is. It is. It's a fucking sad, crazy time. You know, like, I'm like, can't you just get enough attention from your family at home or your friends? Like you need it from complete strangers. Cause that's what people are doing with the vanity plates. They yeah. want complete strangers, people that they would never hang out with to notice them while they're on the road, you know, like with their, with their funny plate or whatever they wrote on there or, you know, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you really, do you need that? I don't want to look at anyone when I'm driving. I don't want anyone looking at me. I love, dude, you said something that I fucking do. I've used <laughs> that. I do. You pull up and I don't pull up right next to the person that they can look at me. I was like, you were saying that. I was like, I do the same fucking thing. I was like, right. I, don't don't you, I, I don't like to feel that person looking at me. Like if I pull up right next to him, I hate that. Yeah. 
And you I do the find, same thing? You pull I up find a that, like, I find that, like, nobody's looking at the road anymore, and it freaks me out. Like, I'm on the freeway, and, like, I almost never look at the car next to me when I'm driving. I'm, thinking, I'm on the fucking freeway going, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour most of the time. Yeah. But, like, every once in a while, I'll look over, and if I'm, like, side by side with somebody, and they'll be looking at me already, I'm like, you're on, don't look at me. Like, why, like, you've been looking at me for a while. Like, right. You're on the fucking freeway. Get off the fucking, fucking look ahead. No, like I say, like, especially with guys, like, they would always, like, if they see a girl in the car, they'll, like, you know, drive, ride next to her at 70 miles an hour to try, hopefully she'll look over. I'm like, there's never been a case ever where some girl goes, pull over, I'm going to blow you. Pull over. <laughs> right. It's not, what, what do you, what do you think's going to happen? Right, right. They'll stop. Just leave the leave the woman alone. <laughs> totally. Is do you find that your podcast is kind of like uh, like this is how you form some of your jokes? Like, are you are you constantly riffing to like get material for your jokes on the podcast? Oh yeah, it's like it's like an open mic. It's like yeah. you know, an open mic night. Bill Burr does the same thing. You'll hear some of his routines on his podcast. We're okay. kind of working it out with no audience and go. That might be work for the stage. Let me go try that. Yeah. So yeah, I love doing it. And it just gets I get the shit off my chest and then I move on my day. Yeah. You know what I mean, which is good. So I'm like, "All right, good. I'm good now." And it, most of the stuff I wouldn't even see it unless the fans send it to me. So it's not like I walk around angry just looking for something to rip apart. I'm like, "Okay, I can make fun of this." All right. Yeah, so, yeah I can see I can see where I can make fun of this. You are so angry though. <laughs> Especially <laughs> like look at you know, it's funny cuz I'm looking at you and like your voice on the podcast just sounds so angry. I can see you <laughs> smiling as you're telling some of this stuff to me so but like when you're listening to it I was like god he's so pissed. <laughs> I, I could get in that moment. I can get I was just talking today I did a podcast so I was in a supermarket. I hate when they blast music like those bad 80s songs. Right. You know what I mean? It's, While you're shopping. I'm like, I don't now, I'm yeah. not tapping my foot when I'm here. I just want to buy my shit. And it's blasting. And they had that Beyonce song, all the single ladies go on the dance floor. And okay. it was cranked in this farmer's market. And then they played like Belinda Carlisle, Heaven on Earth. I ran out. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I didn't <laughs> even get anything. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that my, uh, my, I, my grocery store is called Safeway. So the, that's the closest one to me. And they've been, I don't know who took over, but like, it used to be like kind of just lame, you know, seventies pop. And now like they're playing like scorpions, like Rocky, like, like Rocky, like a hurricane. I'm like, all right, I can, I can shop to this. This is good. Makes me in a good mood. I'm probably going to spend more money here, I guess. But yeah, I don't know if everybody feels like that, but I certainly do. Yeah. Little things like that. So that, you know, um, and then it's funny because I'll bring that up and it, People didn't even notice how loud and awful the music is in stores. And then all of a sudden people are like, I never thought of it until I heard your podcast. Now I hate it. I'm like, good. I, I turned you too. <laughs> hey guys, I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsors right now. Check it out. Fans over the age of 21. I want to tell you about MePod, our newest vape pen sponsor. Now, as a warning, these products contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I can tell you I'm not a vape user, but the people on the network who are into vaping can't shut up about MePod. Lots of talk about the flavors and quality of the MePod devices. Also, let's be honest. If you're still smoking, it can be kind of gross to be around, and it's annoying to hang out with people who always need a lighter or want to smoke in your car or every 10 minutes need to go outside. Yes, I can tell you. 
because of my manager. So for all you vapors out there, I want to tell you about the products available at MePod.com because if you are a smoker or a vapor, you're going to love these. The new MePod 2.0 is the best refillable vape on the market today. Vapors can refill with any vape juice flavor that they prefer, long-lasting battery and a small, sleek design. MePod has a wide variety of disposable vapes available on MePod.com, including top-selling brands like Vaporlax, Draco, Hyde, and Airbar. I think fans of Disposable would really like the new Draco Disposable Vape, which lasts for 6,500 puffs, dude. It's a lot of puffs, man. MePod has a wide variety of vape juice options. MePod also has a wide variety of vaping options for 420 customers. Lastly, MePod has fast shipping with most orders shipping out the same day. So if you're a vapor or smoker, you'll love MePod and support the sponsor that supports our show by going to MePod.com. And if you use promo code FN, you're going to get 20% off. Once again, that's MePod.com. Use promo code FN and get 20% off. Now, back to the show. Do you, uh, you know, I, I once read a story, and like I'm not, I've never... I don't think I could ever be a comedian. Like, I think I would just be too scared to go up on stage and fail. Uh, but like, I've, uh, you know, I've watched tons of documentaries on comedians and obviously seen a gajillion comedy specials. And I, I loved what there was this one. Um, there was this one. What's the dude who used to do the, uh, that show on comedy central. Um, I'm fucking brain farting now. Uh, as I'm telling you the story, he was like the main guy on the, before on daily show john stewart john stewart yeah john yeah. stewart john stewart was going to watch um jesus christ why am i fucking brain farting uh george carlin going to watch george carlin and george carlin was prepping before one of his you know shows and he was sitting there and basically just pacing the room and like saying the joke over and over and over again and like just changing one word changing two words changing the you know like do you ever do you ever do that? Like when you're forming a joke in your head, is that like part of? Do you have a process that you go through? You know, I'll uh, sometimes I'll just kind of repeat it. I'll say it out loud. I'll use in the voice memos. But I pr pretty much just have a set list that I look at every time before I go on stage. Okay. Like some new jokes I'm doing, I try to do segues so I can remember it because okay. I can't really put a set list on the stage like a band. You know, because in the crowd, people right in the front, they could see. And it's just most comics don't do that. So I'll just kind of have like four or five things I'll look up before I go out. I got to remember to try these jokes, you know, somewhere in a set. And hopefully I'll remember them. And then I usually record the set. I'll listen back. But I got, you know, you can come up with the greatest thing ever. You think during the day, like this is going to be a great joke for the stage. And even Carlin experiences too. When you put it in front of a live audience. And it could just die. Like nobody laughs at it. Like, all right, well, that one didn't work. And then something you're like, I don't think this is going to work. Works great. It, I always, I'm always fascinated with a band because I, I just put a comedy special out. It took me like two and a half years of touring to come up with the 45 minutes to an hour. I noticed stuff worked. I honed it in front of a crowd. Yeah. And you know, I made sure that, okay, this, this is working. This isn't. Let me, you guys put an album out and you have no idea how to, your fans are going to take it. No. I'd be petrified as a comic to put, 45 minutes of comedy out, not knowing if it's going to work or not. Cause I don't know until I perform in front of an audience and I keep working in front of an audience until it's ready. Yeah. I mean that, you, well, you know, to some degree, like when you're first starting a band, that is the case. 
You know, like when Machine Hood was writing all the songs that would be on our first album, Burn My Eyes, we were playing, you know, we're opening for death metal bands and we're opening for hardcore bands and, you know, funk bands and just, all, you know, anything, thrash bands and, and everything in between. And you're kind of seeing what works. And I can vividly remember, like, singing something, playing something and being like, this sucks you know like i could just tell from the reaction in the audience like this is not fucking working like you know and taking that feedback and changing the song because of it you know and and then you get signed and like you're not allowed to do that anymore because the record company doesn't want you to do so it's like you lose that like instant feedback which to honestly was super fucking important and helpful you know and like i guess you just gotta kind of go with your gut and and stuff, but it is that. That's crazy that you took two two years to get like forty five minutes to an hour of like solid, guaranteed laughs. It usually takes like Bill Burr does a special like every two years. You know, two to three years is usually the time it takes you to really get the stuff where it's a hundred percent. You know, where you know it's going to work. That's a that's a, that I never thought of that with a band like you were saying when you first started. You're playing those originals in front of a crowd before you signed. And like you said, you go, ah, that's not working. And then you hone it. That's why a lot of the band's first albums are always amazing because they're right. working those those songs in clubs for years. Years. But I got the feedback, which makes a lot of sense. Why the second one or the third one wasn't as good. And yeah, I'd be petrified just not being able to, you know, not performing in front of a live show. But yeah, it takes a while and you change it around and you get sick of it. And then sometimes the jokes aren't working anymore. But it, it takes that time to really like to really get it to where it's going to be perfect and you're ready to film it because you can't get to the point. You can get to the point where your comedy material, where you're sick of it and it's not working anymore because you're not delivering it right. And the audience can almost feel like, you know, you have no passion behind it. Oh, OK. So you can't I can't do a joke for more than, you know, I can't do a joke, a great joke for 10 years because it was like, ah, I don't care about this anymore. That's like weird. You, shit that you wrote from your first album you guys are still playing and yeah. you still have passion behind it. me i'm like ah, I, that no bit i'm totally sick of it <laughs> like, yeah i go i gotta do that bit again i don't want to do that bit i want to do new stuff right uh, yeah i mean i i gotta imagine too like a dude like you gotta think about a guy like andrew dice clay who came about and you know like i mean i don't know how long he was working in clubs prior to like andrew that fucking one you know hbo special but like he literally like I mean, exploded fucking it's like a supernova. I mean, everywhere, everybody knew like fucking every rap band now sampling that special. Like it was fucking everywhere. And I, you know, I loved it, but you know, it's like, I'm sure everybody still just wants him to do the fucking, you know, little boy blue. He needed the money. You know, like those bits, hey, I, right? I opened for him. I opened for Dyson. I'm friends with him. And I see that like, he'll do his regular standup. And then at the end, almost like an encore, he won't leave the stage, but he'll do for like the last seven, eight minutes, he'll do the old poems and the place goes nuts. Yeah. It's like the journey. Don't stop believing or guns playing sweet child of mine. Right. The place right. goes crazy, but he goes, I'm not doing, I'll do it at the end. Okay. For you guys. But yeah. And that most comics can't do that. They don't want to hear a famous bit. They, they want to move on. They don't want to wait. You got new, you know? Oh, gotcha. Most what do you say? Most comedians. I'm sorry. Most the fans don't the want to hear the fans, same bit. Gotcha. Right. Right. That you did seven years ago. They go, oh, "Can you do that bit again?" They don't want to hear it. They want to hear new stuff, and they complain if you come back and you have the same exact. That's bet. funny. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the opposite of a band. You know, like it's, it's complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is always about the new, and you know, I get it. Who are, Who are some of the guys that? 
when you start, when do you, when do you start doing, are you like, are you like the class clown as a kid? Are you like, are you that was more quiet, quiet one liner sniper kid in the back. Quiet, okay. You know, the guy who's the class clown is never a good comic. No, that guy just constantly needs attention. And he's just like, you know, ah, look at me, look at me, look at me. And usually those guys aren't good. Exception Robin Williams. I'm sure Robin Williams was like that when he was a kid, hyper, you know, going doing crazy shit in school. I'm sure he was like that. But most of the guys that are like that are not good comics. Okay. Because they're just, you know, but the guys that are just sit back and observe and watch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, those are the guys that are good. And that's what most comics are the guys that are quiet. But sit back and pick apart a situation. Oh my God, that's the fun. thing. I'm always like, I always hate being around comics. I'm like, I know this motherfucker is just picking apart every fucking thing I'm saying and doing. Right now. <laughs> you know, and I've been, I'm friends with uh, Tony Larusa, and Tony Larusa does this ARF uh, benefit thing where he raises money for animals, and he always gets comedians and musicians together. You know, so I'm, I've met Robin Williams, I've met you know Dana Carvey, like all these guys, and I'm just like, all right, just try not to say too much, <laughs> like. Just, <laughs> Yeah, but it's always it's always a good time. I mean, I, I have a lot. I have so much respect for comedians because I do love that you guys have that ability to just, you know, like in you know some cases, like you can look at just a person and just kind of pick apart, like okay, stupid fucking fat ears, you know, picking like, you know, like if you want to make fun of them, like if the need arises, like you just have that ability, and it's a fucking total talent. Like it's a total, you know, it is a fucking fine art. Yeah, because you don't know. You go into the audience, you're taking a risk. Like I just had this woman uh, in the audience this weekend. Uh, there was a couple in the front. They go, yeah, we're married. I go, you guys are both remarried? They're like, yeah, we're both remarried for the second time. I go, oh, really? I go, what happened What happened with your first husband? What happened with that? And she goes, oh, he died. I go, oh, great, thanks. I go, thanks for bringing the show to a complete halt. You know what I mean? I go, you're allowed to lie to the comedian. You could have just right. said it didn't work out. Right. I go, now I have to dig myself out of this hole. And I'm thinking, up, and the crowd's like, oh, man. Like, so I'm thinking, where am I going to go? And I go, sir, I'm afraid to ask about what happened to your wife. Let me guess. She was on Flight 93. And then the whole place just laughed, and I got out of it. <laughs> but I really had to think on my feet. I'm like, shit, how am I going to get out of this? Oh, so my, my first husband died. Right, right. I got great, thanks. So you don't know going in, you're risking it. But I like, I love riding that fine line. If there's nothing there, then I move on or whatever like that. And there, there could be gold. I can pick on some guy. He could say something stupid or whatever. And I just could play off that the rest of the show. So, Right. Yeah, like you you have your show open enough that you could just, if, if, if the opportunity arose, you could just riff on some other thing that you didn't even have written down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that's a, a lot of times you come up with material that way too. Like that might be good for my regular act that I just riffed on this thing with this, with this couple or whatever it is. So do you um, ever, do you ever find like that when you're like, you know, you're, when you're on tour, like when, how long, how many days in a row do you go on tour? Like, are you like in a bus or is it like, is it like no. fly dates? Like three, you know, three days at a club, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back home Sunday, usually not at a club more than three days, Okay, which is great. And, you know, then I come back home, so I'm never out for like a month at a time. Right. I go but on you, weekends usually. Do you find that like sometimes you have like a rut where you're kind of like you don't have any new funny stuff, but then like maybe for no reason in particular on stage, like just a whole thing pours out of you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get in ruts, man. Like, oh my God, I'm sick of my act. I'm sick of doing this. I'm tired or whatever. And then you just gotta, 
yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll go, I'll go, you know, I'm going to go in their crowd tonight and try to see it in the audience, see if I can get pull something out of there because I will kill some time. It'll be fresh. And then I go back into my material. So yeah, you have those days too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that well, was I'm going like an open mic tomorrow night with like an with a notebook because I'm working on new jokes. I love doing that in front of like six, eight people and just seeing if this shit works and just building yeah. a set. I love it. It's almost like recording an album with a band. I love just the whole process. It's like demoing. Together. It's kind of like demoing, right? Like yeah, it's you demoing. Know what the fuck absolutely. You're doing. Like I'm just gonna try singing fucking some random bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll Absolutely. be good or maybe it'll suck. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Like, I never looked at it like that. And you know? I like, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. A lot of work, man. Like, it's a lot of work to be a comedian, right? It is, but it's like, like I, I love being creative and I'm, I'm lucky to not work a day job and do this for, you know, close to 30 years now without working a day job. So I'm like, if this is all I got to do is, you know, do podcasts and rant and then tell jokes on stage, I get a fucking pretty good life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have no boss. I don't have to listen to anybody. I always wanted a job like that. When um when uh when you get a comedy gig, does do they pay for it? Like they pay for you to fly out, they pay for you put you in a hotel, like all that stuff. That's all part of like the guarantee or whatever. Usually, yeah. Usually you'll get, you know, five hundred bucks for airfare or three hundred fifty, whatever it is. Okay. They'll put you in a hotel for two or three days wherever long it air, and then they'll have somebody pick you up from the airport. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. you know, get pick you up to and from the gig too. somebody that works at the club or something like that. So that's usually taken care of. You get a Do you get a guarantee or do you get a cut of the door or like, what is that? It, it depends. Sometimes you'll take the, you know, 90% of the door, 70% of the door after a certain amount. I like doing those kind of back end deals. Okay. But then you got to worry about the club owners ripping you off. There wasn't that many people here. We gave away free tickets, right. which by the way, like comedy club owners were always like some of the biggest scumbags ever. Me, Trunk, and Jameson would do these rock clubs around the country. We were doing that metal show live, like a comedy show. And those guys were even worse than the comedy club owners, how oh, they yeah. ripped you off. <laughs> what pieces of shit you guys had to go through coming up. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable. It was great. It was fucking insanity. I mean, there'd be 400 people in the room. They go, no, it was 110. Right. And right. it wasn't 400. We yeah, had we, somebody we counting the, at the door. We comped all those people. Yeah, we comped them. They were radio people. We gave, it wasn't selling, so we had to give tickets away on the radio. I'm running a business here. I, you know, we didn't need people in here. They were free tickets. You have to pay for your beer, by the way, your alcohol. You know, when they're like, hey, whatever you want. You want to drink? You just order. It's fine, man. And all of a sudden, you've got to pay for that. And VIP tickets ripping you off. It's unbelievable. I, I was in back rooms on the road. Guy has a gun on the counter, like, and two bouncers standing next to me, like, are you going to mess with us? Are you just going to take this law? No, I need more money. No, this is what the contract is. I'm like, this sucks, man. I'm like, I felt bad for you guys. What you guys went through. And I thought we had it tough as a comic. I remember one time we went into a, a place, and I'm not going to say where, I'm not going to name any names, but it was in Iowa somewhere. <laughs> we get back and like we're going to collect the money for the show and you know it wasn't a fucking huge show or anything and like the fucking promoters got a dude tied to a chair and they're all smoking meth and then they're burning this dude with the fucking glass pipe that they're smoking meth at out of and i'm coming in to say hey so uh you know need to get paid and it's just like yeah there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of people here tonight i was like no there there, no there was there was a good crowd tonight like you know (laughs) like there's 500 people here. he's like no man there was like uh, 150 and i was just like i'm sitting there looking at the crack the meth pipe and the fucking burns all over this dude and i was like 
Yep, I guess there was only 150 people. Yep. So, you know, just pay us for that, please. <laughs> Jesus. I know. That's that's when you really need a tour Keep manager. Torturing, but... Have fun torturing your friend there. Whatever you're doing. I know. That's when you need a tour manager. But when you first start out, like, I don't, I'm, I, we can't pay another guy to come on the road with us. So we're going to have to do it ourselves. Yeah. We, we were pretty lucky. We most, a lot of times had a tour manager, but sometimes he was just, you know, checked out. We, we did yeah. get paid. Uh, I remember the one guy tried to pay us in cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> we were like and our tour manager took it and i was like the fucking the, we need the fucking money like, yeah, i know right. take the, he's like i need the cocaine <laughs> great great stories yeah no that's that's awesome that you get to experience that though and i you know i i think that like going out on the road definitely you know you got to just get so much such a wealth of material going on the road you know because you're exposed to so many different characters and you know you could probably you could probably get a bit from flying on an airplane or just fucking you know waiting in the lobby of your hotel at some point right absolutely you're always looking you're always on the you know that i can make fun of that might be a bit or you overhear a conversation of people talking or whatever like that so you know and you always just have it ready to write it down just write the idea down and then figure it out later see if it so works you write it down you write it down pen and paper i'll put it no i'll put it like the the voice uh the voice not the voice memo. memo but the notebook on the iphone i'll write it down real quick just the idea oh okay right yeah and then i'll try to expand on it i'll bring it on stage and i'll just kind of rip and see where it goes yeah you know because sometimes you'll come up with stuff right when you're on stage like you're in the moment you're feeling that feedback from the crowd and that the crowd's laughing, and that's when you can come up with stuff because that adrenaline rush you're getting. All of a sudden, you'll just blurt out another great line, like "Holy shit, where did that come from?" That's just a crowd on your side. When they're not on your side, it looks bad. You're like, "Oh shit, they're just staring at us." Yeah. What? What? Uh, so you're pretty quiet as a kid, or at least the, you're the sniper in the back of the class. I grew up in a family of seven, so it's like you know. Yeah, I was in school. I was quiet. You know, I was rowdy and out of control. Went to Catholic school, so of course, you know, breaking shit. You know, smoking weed at twelve, smoking cigarettes, drinking. What? Wow. You know, yeah. In Catholic school. Yeah. Is, kick, does your Does your parents know that you're doing all that in Catholic school at the time? They didn't believe it. They thought I would never do that. My mom thought I was going to be a priest. She's like, oh, you're the one at all. Of them. All the kids are going to be a priest. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Why did you think you were going to be a priest? I don't know why. I don't know why she picked me. Maybe because I was. Why do you got to be a priest? <laughs> why she was it? super religious and Catholic. So okay. she was like, oh, you're the one who's going to be the priest. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Huh? I'm like, mom, I don't like little boys. You know, <laughs> I got to work out. What is your, does your dad think you're going to be a priest? No, I think my dad, you know, he didn't think that. My mom did. Yeah. I played sports and all that stuff. My dad was a coach. And oh, all okay. That. Cool. But one good thing is, like, when I started, my dad was an accountant, and, you know, my brothers got into real estate. I didn't want to do any. I wanted to be in, like, I wanted to be in a band. I just couldn't play. I, you know, I hung around guys in bands. I was a big music fan. So I got into DJing and then into comedy. And that my parents are totally supportive. Oh, that's I was cool. making no money for three years. I was in my mid-20s. But they were like, yeah, whatever. Stay at home. You don't have to pay any bills. If this is what you want to do, which was cool, you know, because a lot of parents aren't like, what are you doing with your life? Right. I know, yeah, especially with that big of a family. Are you like the youngest? Or are you somewhere in the middle? You're right in the middle. Okay. Three older, three younger. Yeah. You know, my dad went to pay for my college to be an accountant. Uh, for golf, and I'm like, 
after one semester, I'm like, I'm not doing this. This isn't for me. I'm not good with numbers. I don't want to sit there in a fucking calculator and figure shit out. Right. You know, so, but they were support, which is good. Were you, so, but you were, you wanted to play in a band, but you never played in a band. I was a lefty. So all my friends were righty guitar players. Right. And they're like, right. well, I can't teach you. Can you play righty? I'm like, no, I can't. I can only play lefty. Yeah. So they couldn't teach me. And then I tried singing one time. I went for singing lessons. The lady, after one, one lesson, she goes, listen, she goes, I can take your money if you want, but you just don't have an ear for music. <laughs> oh, no. But you can keep coming back if you want. Maybe you'll develop one, but you just don't have it. And I was like, at least you're honest with me. Thank you. Right. I mean, I really don't. You could have sang for a punk rock band, I guess. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that I could, yeah. But because I, I really don't. I don't have an ear for I love music. I just don't have an ear for it. My son, can, my son was playing, taking music. He's 11 now. He was taking music lessons from like 5 to like 10. It was amazing. Wow. You know, that's playing right. keyboards, singing, drums, guitar, all of that Holy stuff. Moly. Like, he didn't get it from me, that's for sure. He's got rhythm. I could see you being a DJ because you got a good, you had a good voice, you know, like very deep kind of baritone. Yeah, I was doing that, you know, DJing like, you know, strip clubs. And then there was like a rock club. You probably play that club called the Birch Hill in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to DJ there. I was the heavy metal DJ there. Okay. So, you know, that's, I did in rock clubs and strip clubs and all that. And uh, on the radio for a little while, but then G- give, me your, give me your best welcome to the stage strip club voice that you got. You know, I, I just, this was before they started doing that. Like I, oh, okay. I was in like the sleazy ones where you didn't have to just make announcements like that. You didn't even okay. have to do that. You barely had to go on the mic at all. You just, you know, when the new dancer came up, you played her songs and that was basically okay. it. Okay. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. You know, welcome Tiffany. Welcome to the stage, Candy. But we, I I'd also did uh, comedy in a strip club when I first started, there was, this one strip club would have uh, comedians going in between the dancers, which is a nightmare. But it paid really well. And yeah, it's in lap dances, like half. Nobody, lap no dance. dude who's at a strip club probably wants to see a, a comedian. Right? None, and they had no idea we're going to be there. Okay, they would just throw us on like the top of the hour to do like five minutes of jokes, like like three different times, like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock for five minutes. <laughs> I bet you, you the, 10 o'clock, the 10 o'clock one was probably the worst, right? Because then everybody's They're like, what the fuck? Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, like, get the fuck off the stage. I'm like, anybody been on a plane recently? Boo. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, what kind of jokes do you tell at a strip club? What goes down? What's guaranteed? What's a guaranteed hit joke at a strip club? A quick drinking joke or sex or drugs or something like that. If there was a bachelor party, make fun of the guy getting married. Okay, okay. Oh, this guy's getting married, eh, whatever, and you'd make fun of him and get in and out quick. All right. Like Rodney Dangerfield jokes, quick. Okay. Set up punch, set up punch. You can't tell no long story or anything like that. Right. Oh, is that is that like a style? That like Rodney Dangerfield has like a quick style? Is that... Well, he always had, you know, like, oh, I was so ugly, you know, when I was a kid, I had a trick-or-treat over the phone. You know, like, he had, like, quick one-liners. Okay. He was more like, a, like almost like a Stephen Wright was, you know, was a one-line oh, right. comic. So you had to get, right. to the, get to the setup and punch quick, or they, they're not going to pay attention. You know, I, I opened for Megadeth Slayer and Anthrax on the road, and I did another Megadeth tour, too. And that was the same thing, where I had to get to the stuff really quick, or they're going to fucking hate me, which a lot of times they just still did anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think comedy, I think comedy for a metal opening for a metal thing. I just saw, what's the guy who's got the, the big metal podcast right now, but he's also a comedian, not Del James, but 
sounds kind of like that. Um, oh, Dean Del Rey. Dean Del Rey. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Dean Del Rey. He opened the Metallica 40th anniversary things here. And I got to say, it was rough. Like it was a rough grab. I mean, you know, he was doing his best and, you know, going for those one liners, but I was just like, woo, like crowd was just like, like not, you know, he did give me a, sh- he gave me a shout out. Somebody was wearing a machine head hat. He was like, Rob Flynn in the house somewhere. I was like, yes. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I mean, you gotta, um, you know, you have to have the right material for it and you have to basically say, listen, I'm doing like five minutes and that's it. That's all they're going to take. And you have to explain to the crowd. Hey, listen, man, because I would go on right before Slayer for like the third time and the crowd's just chanting Slayer. And I said, listen, man, I got five, Slayer's coming on at nine. It's 855. I'm doing five minutes and they're coming on. I'm not taking any songs away from Slayer because I was always that drunk guy in the crowd when the local DJ would come on stage and be babbling. Right. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm, Ozzy's going to play one less song because of you. Boo. <laughs> right. I have to tell the crowd I'm not taking any this all scheduled. I have, so if you don't like, you want, I'm going to tell a few jokes, go take a piss, go get a beer, but I got, I'm staying up here for five minutes. So fuck you. Yeah. And they're kind of like, okay, all right, we get it. Okay. But I explain to them that a Slayer's not going to play one less song because I'm telling stupid that's jokes. That's good. That's, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, cause it was like, they, they were throwing shit at me. It was funny by the third, by, by the time Slayer went on the tour that they did that the, the curtain took the whole stage up. So I couldn't even be on the main stage. They put me at the soundboard in the back by the, in the Ooh. middle of the venue in the arena. So then okay. all of a, sudden a spotlight comes on me. Like all of a sudden the lights go down. They think Slayer's coming. I'm like, Hey, look back here. I'm over here. Oh, like you gotta fuck. be fucking kidding me. This yeah. guy again. And they all had to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's rougher, a Slayer crowd or a strip club crowd? <laughs> Slayer crowd. Cause the Slayer. strip clubs a hundred people. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and they, you know, they, they just, yeah. So I, the strip club, yeah, I can pull it off, but the Slayer crowd was definitely worse. When you're playing strip clubs, are you just dating strippers galore? Like, do the strippers just love that there's a comedian there and you're, like, cracking jokes to the strippers all the time? Well, no, because, well, I'd have to hide because people wanted to beat me up afterwards for, you know, for interrupting their lap dances. I'm telling jokes. The guy's probably getting a lap dance and all of a sudden out there telling. So I wouldn't even, I'd hide in the office the whole time in between. Oh, okay. Because these you, drunk you're, guys. You're, like, not hanging out, you're not hanging out in the stripper room. I couldn't because it was like, I didn't know if I was going to get punched because they were like, why is this guy on stage? What is he doing? So, um, but no, when I was DJing the strip club, yeah, it was definitely that going on. Put a nice long song on, you know. And and what? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> and what? Yeah, you know, you just say, hey, you want to go hang out for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. you're in between sets. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah. No, good stuff. I know. I date, dating strippers. Dating strippers is like the best shit when you're like 22 to 25. You know, like it's just, it's completely insane. Like they're fucking out of their minds. And like for some reason, like as a 22 year old man, you want a completely insane woman who has no fucking rationale about anything. <laughs> but, but I know. But then as you get older, you're like, oh my God, I can't. Like, like, I, 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 I always say they're fun for an hour and then you got to deal with them the rest of the 23 hours a day. And it's a nightmare. Yeah, it is. A nightmare. <laughs> I lost my keys. I got a DWI. My car got left on the side of the road. I, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta go get, you know, go talk to my probation officer. I just right. got fired. My totally. my electricity gets got shut off. My two baby mom, two baby daddies aren't paying me. Can you give me some money? Yeah. Br- brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Super brutal. But that one hour is good as fun. Yeah. Or like, you know, more, you know, 
just that time that time period is always crazy you know like you're just like fuck <laughs> it's good to go through it exactly because you're just like eh. but then and you, as you get older like i can't believe i dealt with that yeah and for that long yeah I, when do, what's your first what's your first uh time performing comedy how old are you 25 oh wow so pretty late you know, yeah i started because i wasn't sure what i wanted to do yeah i wasn't sure like i was I was landscaping, you know, I was just kind of fucking around doing these little stupid jobs, working on construction sites. And then, then I started DJing. I had my own business. I did that for a little bit on the radio. And then I just, when I went on stage and one night an open mic, I'm like, this is what I want to do. When I got a laugh, like one laugh, I was like, I felt that adrenaline rush. And I was like, did, this is it. Did this you have it. some buddies that were like encouraging you to go do it? Uh, there's a couple of comic uh, friends of mine that we all wanted to try it and we finally got the balls to go to an open mic and do it those guys wound up dropping out after a few months you know we all said all right well, we would sit around and try to write material you know in the beginning everything you write you think is going to be amazing and it's not it's terrible right. you think it like i'm going to be on hbo in six months <laughs> and it never happens but when i got that one laugh and i never felt that adrenaline like that before I'm sure you, as a band too, when the crowd's into you and you got they're going crazy and singing a song, you're like, it's the fucking best feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that's when I, you know, I started and I was like, this is it. I, I just totally focused on that, and that was it. And so, what do you do to like get into the comedy clubs at this point? I mean, you're a completely unknown comic. You have no history. You do you just start going to more open mics? You hit up like. You know, like when you're a band, you start like passing out demos and handing out flyers. Like what, what do you do as a comedian? You, you know, usually look, I always tell my son, this and this is a good life lesson is just don't be a dick. And a lot of good things will happen if you're not. So if you're nice. You're working. You, you'll find guys that are already around doing comedy that have been doing it five or six years. They see you in an open mic or you get a spot, a spot on, on a regular show. Like, Hey man, I, you know, uh, I got some work for you. If you want to go open for me on the road, I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I got this room here. If you want, you know, I got some gigs for you. If they okay. see some potential and to see you're cool to hang out with. So that's how it usually starts. Okay. You find you t someone takes a liking that's above you and will take you under their wing. Oh, and okay. that's what happened when I first started. I started working right away. Who's your, who's I had long your, hair your, too at the your time. Mentor? Who's your mentor? My hair was down to here. I looked like David Coverdale from White Snake. And oh, this yeah. is like, you know, early 90s in Jersey. That Jersey hair was still in. So I used to track all the chicks after the show. So all the comics were like, we're bringing you on the road just to get the girls over to us after the show. I'm like, all right, whatever. I had no jokes, but I can get the girls over. Right. They're the like, show. who cares? Like, I know. Who's <laughs> bring her around? Who cares if he's not funny? <laughs> I know, they didn't, like, Look, he's got five minutes, maybe. Just, uh, just put him on the show. What's your, did the first time, does the first time you play a comedy club, do you do good or do you bomb? Bomb. Every yeah. comic, most comics bomb. They think they did well, but they did not. But like I said, I got one laugh and it wasn't for my material. Some guy said something in the crowd and I said something back okay. and I got a big laugh. And that's when that, it was just five minutes. And yeah. that's what was like, all right, this is it. This is, this is what I'm doing. What's the first club you play? What's the first like legit? Dangerfields in New York City. Okay. You had to bring like 10 of your friends. You it was know, like, you it was bring, like a pay to play. Yeah. Pay to play. Yeah. Comics had to do that. You have to do that too. You got to bring five people or three people in okay. New York. It was 10. So I brought 10 of my family members and friends in the New York city. I was living in Jersey and say, hey, can you come in? I'm playing Dangerfields. And you know, that was a legendary stage. And 
you know, they came in, I bombed, but I was still on the stage. I'm like, just make sure you get a picture of me on this stage. Right. So I'm, I, I may never be here that. again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be a long time because I suck. Was it, was it packed? Was there a lot of people? It was probably, you know, it was probably like 40 or 50, not, not packed, but it was like a, probably on a Monday night. Is it, is it easier to, to, uh, get a dense group of people to laugh or is it easier to get like a scattered group of people to laugh? Like, you know, like if it's a sold out show, is it easier to get laughs or is it make it more chaotic? I feel like a sold out show. I got to do the hits and I have to play it a little more safer. I like it a smaller crowd where I could just me- experiment and mess around. Okay. I feel more regimented. Like, all right, I got to really, you know, bring it as a sold out crowd. I don't know. Maybe that's just in my head. So I'm like, all right, let me just kind of do the hits and not right. mess around too much. I like when there's a smaller crowd, like a Thursday night, like 20 people. I'm like, perfect. I'll just experiment. I'll mess around, work on some new jokes. If they don't work, who cares? Yeah. You got to figure those people too. Like if they're on a, at a comedy club on a Thursday night, like they're probably like genuinely into it. They are. And they love shows like that. You'll get guys who'll come like three nights in a row. Go, dude, I like the Thursday show the best. Okay. You know, with the smaller crowd. I go, yeah, those are, those are the ones to come to. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And you didn't think yeah. about that, you know? Yeah. Cause you're, you're able to be free and just kind of, yeah, I see what you're, I see. I could see what you're saying. And and do you have hits? You're just talking, like when you say you got like your hits, you're just like you're you know your go to jokes are gonna be Yeah, my go to jokes I know that are gonna work, but there's some other stuff I wanna try, or maybe a, a line will be too much and I'm like, ah, I'll I, you know what uh, on the Saturday sold out crowd, maybe they're a little older or something, or they're a little more conservative, they're not they're a little tight, they're not really going for the super edgy stuff because I'll watch the other comics before me. So I'm like, all right, let me just okay. read that line out. Okay, gotcha. Like I have a line that I was just doing the other night. I was like, I said, my 11 year old's getting mad. He goes, you know, we, we need to start making plans. And I'm like, I'm not making plans with an 11 year old. You know, I go, I'm not R Kelly. <laughs> so that works a lot of times, but then sometimes with a really tight audience, and I do that early on in my set, I'm like, guide, I'm not, I'm not, I might alienate them right off the bat and they might hate me the rest of the show. So I'll just drop that line for this show. Or maybe I'll move it further along on my set where they like start liking me, and then I can hit them with that stuff. But if I hit them too early with that, they'll be like, "Oh, all right, we're done with this guy." Like, if you're at a, do you have like, I mean, when you're torn, you're torn with other people, other comedians too. So, like, sometimes are you torn with black comedians where it's like a mostly black, like you're going into like you know whatever, like a mostly black audience with a white com- comedian coming on. Usually not. I've done that before. They used to, there was a club in Philly. It was all black club, and but they want to put like one white guy in the show to do like 15 or 20 minutes in the middle. And the, there's not a lot of white guys that can handle that. So I was one of them that could. As okay. long as you show you got balls and you're not afraid up there, they'll love you. Okay. That's the thing though. You got, you can't, if you show any fear, the, the, you're done. They'll yeah. turn the back on you. They're, they're, but they're a great crowd if they like you, but it is tough. It's like, oh man. You know, and especially if, you know, I, I, I tend not to do those rooms anymore, mm-hmm. but I just know. And then when you got, you know, when you got some black people in the crowd and mostly white people, they feel like, oh man, I don't know if I can laugh, especially with the black people sitting towards the front. So I'll, I'll go at them right off the bat. Like I'll, I'll something, you know, making fun of them and stuff and they'll laugh. Okay. I get the white people on the side because the white people are like, I can't laugh because the, the black people laugh. Not that I'm doing race jokes, but. Yeah. Just to calm everybody. It's going to be fine. Relax. So right. you'll get that too. Cause everybody's so, so uptight. Like, I don't know. Oh my God. I don't, can I laugh at this? 
that's why it's great when a comedy club is nice and dark where nobody could see each other because then you can laugh at inappropriate shit. Yeah. Who who inspires you as you're like when you're first when you're 25 years old, who's the comedians you're looking up to? Dice. Right. Without a doubt. Dice and Kennison. You know, and then I like, you know, because they were almost well like a rock star mentality to comedy. Dice up there with a leather jacket, smoking, playing arenas. Right. Kinnison's playing with a band, bringing up the guitar and all that stuff. And so those guys. And then I, but also like Carlin and I liked, uh, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. I like that kind of stuff. And Richard Pryor. I was a big comedy fan. But those, when I saw those guys, I'm like, man, that's what I want to do. Yeah. It still took me like three years to get the balls to go up on stage after I saw them. I still was like, man. I want to do it. I just, I'm, I'm, I don't have the confidence yet. The public speaking was a big thing where I was, you know, I, I, I could hide behind a microphone at a DJ booth at a club. That was no problem. But to be out in the open by yourself, I don't have the bass player to, to blame it on if it doesn't go well. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I saw Dice back in the day, back in like, I want to say like early 90s or something. He was fucking awesome. You know, he did do the hits at the end. Yeah. 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 You know, it was good. I think that might that might have been my first comedy show. I think. Really? Yeah, it was in an arena too. Okay, yeah, yeah, crazy. Which, man. which I do, I do think that it, it it works better. I mean, not that it doesn't work in an arena, but I feel like sometimes it works better in a club or a theater or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it, look, if you could sell arena tickets, you sell them, obviously. Yeah, right. you know, but you do want to be in a club as a comic. It's a lot more intimate. It's a lot better when they're right on top of you. That's where they'll work out the material. You know, Bill will go to the Bill Burr will go to the comedy store every night, work these little rooms, work on his material, and then he brings it out to the theaters and the you know arenas and stuff. I just opened for him last summer. Did a bunch of shows. I mean, he's great. He's such a good dude too. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's fearless up there. Funny, he doesn't man. give a shit, and I love that. That paper tiger special is just fucking, <laughs> dude. I mean, like it's freaking ridiculous. He's so funny. I saw so him doing cool. at the garden like a week before he um, he filmed it. Okay, he, he did it at Madison Square Garden that same set. I'm like, holy shit, man. Yeah, I saw I saw Jim Carrey back in the day too, back in the '90s. I saw him really? play the Warfield in San Francisco, which is like a 2800 seater or something like that. It was it was awesome. That was the first time I think I'd seen a smaller comedy thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do too much stand up after he made it. No. You got out. That's a lot. You were lucky to see him. Yeah. He did like he riffed on Napalm Death and a bunch of like you should. Right. Like yeah. When you make a twenty million a movie, you really don't want to go back into a club and slug it out and try to work on some jokes. Right. Right. You kind of lose that passion. You're like, oh man, I could do six weeks and I could make twenty million on a, on a movie set. Do you think that a guy like dice could exist today like that that type of comedy you know it's pretty fucking raunchy like that was some pretty he's still out comedy. there and he's still as raunchy as ever and he's doing well i mean he's not selling arenas right. he's getting a lot of movie roles oh okay and tv stuff you know okay. uh, you know so it, for some reason they're not trying to take him down which is great but he's still as filthy as ever Okay, that's good. I'm going to see him in like a week. He's playing near my house. I'm going to go down there and watch and stuff. He's but and he and he was just in the Pam, Pam and Tommy Lee series that was on Hulu. Okay, he gets a, he was in a Woody Allen movie a few years back. He was on Entourage, so he gets right. a lot. Still, he's still in he played in um A Star Is Born. He played Lady Gaga's dad. Oh right, right, right. In yeah, that movie totally. too. So he's still getting roles in Hollywood, but he's still is it, it, it's filthy as ever. Yeah, he's still his heart's still in uh stand-up he loves it yeah yeah he loves performing yeah absolutely yeah 
What um what do you got coming up here? So you got your you got your new uh, my new comedy uh, special's out. It's on free on YouTube, on my cool. YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jim Florentine Comedy. I filmed it over the summer. It's called Bite the Bullet. Um, and I do my podcast, Everybody is Awful, every Monday. It's free on iTunes, and then I do the Patreon, too. Yeah, that's, that's killer, man. I'm, uh, I'm stoked to have you on here. No, it's great seeing you, man. Yeah, it's been too long. It's been too Every time long. a machine head was playing in the area, I was always out of town. Yeah. It happened every time. I'm like, yeah, yeah Don came out. Don came out to a couple of the Jersey shows. Yeah. No, yeah. every time you guys played the Stone Pony, my nephew was there. He goes, it was unbelievable. Three hour show. Fucking insane. I'm like, and I was on the road. So hopefully next time you guys come around. Yeah. If I, if ever just hit me up and you know, of you're, course, always, yeah. you're always welcome to fucking come rage. You know, all you guys, all three of you guys. You know, yeah. Blast with you guys on the show. And it was fucking awesome. So good having you. Good seeing you. Good having and it's you great, it's great network. You're on Gas Digital. The guys are awesome. I know Louis J. Gomez. I know all these guys. You know, yeah, totally. All the guys. Yeah. They're awesome, man. I, I'm on there all the time doing shows and good dudes out of New York. Yeah, shout out to G Mike for hooking this up. He said he ran into you and I was like, yeah, I fucking get yeah. Jim on. You know, yep. re return the favor of, you know, me being on the first podcast, your podcast. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, right there, the mighty, mighty Jim Florentine comedian. Here on No Fucking Regrets. No fucking regrets! With Rob Flynn.